Meerkats, Porcupines, Beauty Queens, and Bargain Bin Special Forces. We watched Zombies 2. We watch it so you don't have to. And stay tuned after the episode for a very special announcement. With that said, you know what time it is. Welcome, Moon Goons! Welcome to Horrible Horror, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. Movies so bad they're scary. I'm your host, Mr. Marshall Hampton. With me, as always, is my buddy, my co-host, Mr. Aaron Southworth. Aaron, it's been a pretty cruddy uh, Sunday afternoon for us. Uh, but anyway, how are you doing today? I know it's been a rough one for you, but nah. you doing all right? <laughs> nah. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something that's kind of cruddy. Um, Zoom. Zoom, yeah. Zoom is a little cruddy, yeah, because uh, we are actually re-recording this episode. We're doing this episode again, because last week we did it. We had some technical issues, which could have been the fault of Zoom. And when we asked them for help, their customer service said, "Yeah, you guys aren't that important. Good luck later." Yeah, uh, pretty shitty on their uh, on their behalf. Uh, but you know, I, I wasn't going to bring that up. I, I, you know, I didn't want people to know that this was this was a, a redo of an episode. I was going to let try to speak for itself, you know, just let it well, be its I own want, thing. I want to let the I want to let the mo- the moon goons know that we weren't slacking, that we weren't like taking another weekend off. You know, is that we actually put in the time and the effort to put out a podcast for the people. Yeah, the that's mo- true. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And we get shit on by a giant corporate entity. <laughs> you know what zoom needs zoom needs an infestation of zombies that's right zoom needs zoom bees that's what it needs and that is the movie we were doing this week zombies 2 uh, like that was a great segue uh, that was wonderful um i'd give you the if i could get my sound effects up right now i'd give you the old dj air horn I'll give myself a How about that? all right there you go um <laughs> before we get to this movie a few things we want to announce talk about Coming up uh, after this episode, um, stay tuned after the episode for a big announcement regarding our 200th episode, which is going to be our very next episode. Whenever that comes out, we'll be our big 200th. We have a big, spectacular thing we're working on for, for that. Uh, it's going to be a very special episode, uh, Not, I mean, just movie-wise, but it's also going to be like probably a multi-part um, extravaganza. We'll, there'll be yeah. an actual episode, and then we're going to have a bunch of guests on uh, probably remotely and uh, doing a lot of uh, looking back, retrospect stuff, flashbacks, uh, all of the, all of our main guests we've had on over the years, you know, coffee, Doug Jones, Chris, Sarah samples, uh, probably get the Dukes of spook on here. The boys from here comes the spooky uh, podcast as well. Uh, they should be able to join us and it should be a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it. And to go along with it, we're also going to be doing a, uh, another giveaway, which yeah. we should be getting, probably get posted up on Instagram. Uh, if you're listening to this, that means it should be posted up there on, already. If not, maybe look for it tomorrow. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> not that tomorrow matters if you're listening to this a week from now, but, uh, you know, the next it, it, soon. 
Um, we're not going to leave out. We're not going to leave out our Facebook followers. He'll be on Facebook as well. Right. Um, so we'll be doing a movie giveaway of movies we've done on the show that we've kind of collected over the years that, you know, ready to uh, find a new home for those of you guys, a few lovely moon goons. Um, also another announcement is our horrible horror March movie tournament of awfulness. Horrible horrors March movie madness tournament. That's it. It's coming back. Uh, we're going to do it uh, under pandemic, you know, edition. Uh, we started yeah. before the pandemic hit and then we kind of, it fell away, but we're going to fucking finish it. But it's going to be a little different because it's been dragged out and we just kind of want to, we don't want to drag it out any longer. What we're going to do is Aaron and I are going to sit down uh, with some bonus content. Uh, we're going to record a bonus episode where we're, we're going to go through the brackets ourselves this year. The first round was picked by the, uh, you, you, you list the moon goons, you listeners. So we're going to keep that. And we're going to start from round two, three, and four up to the, uh, you know, the fucked up final four and all the way. And we're going to pick the winners this year until we get to the championship game, the big championship. When we limit it down to the final two, we will post that and have open it back up for the voting for all you guys to get in your votes to help us choose the worst of the worst for this year. So, so you guys get to choose the worst of the worst of the horrible horror podcast season. What? Five. five something like whatever see yeah every technically have a season but yeah uh so we'll do that we'll check out the, bo- the bonus content where we narrow it down we're gonna do that probably after we record this so that'll be up sometime as very so keep an eye out for that um with that said remember stay tuned after this for the announcement of the movie we're going to be doing for our 200th that's a little teaser stay tuned to the end to get that moving on now, back to Zombies 2. This movie was requested uh, by Mr. Martin Maselli. He, he sent an email request or Facebook request, somehow, one of them, and requested this movie. Martin. So, Damn, you, Gia! <laughs> <laughs> um, what so, was yeah. the name of the lady that Martin always, like, cross-dressed as? Shanene. Uh, Shanene, that's it, man. Shanene. Marshall, yep. Martin, like history buff there yeah i don't know why but there was a time i, I watched that a lot back in the 90s for some reason like at night i had nothing else to do so like i oh, just put martin on i guess or it's on the background <laughs> martin <laughs> trivia, man. I love it. marshall the martin trivia man there we go all right so zombies 2 was released on march of 26 of 2019 so a little over a year old now uh written by scotty mullen which by the way when you're an adult i think you need to stop going by scotty and just go by scott that just won't, i don't know it's weird that's Adult Scotties are weird. Unless you're working on the Enterprise, beaming people up, just go by Scott. And you're uh, Scottish. It helps, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, directed by Mr. Glenn Miller, who also directed the first Zombies movie. Uh, yeah. But he's worked on other movies, whether as director, assistant director, or some other capacity. But he's worked on movies as such as Toxic Shark, Damn Sharks, D-A-M, Sharks, Two of like the five or six Sharknado films. Uh, I don't know how many there are anymore. Stormageddon. And then the kind of cult classic, Dude, Bro Party Massacre. He's worked or involved in all those movies in some nice. capacity. Uh, Zuby- also responsible for the orchestra hit, Pennsylvania 65000. Yeah. Uh, way back. <laughs> if you know that Glenn Miller. Uh, <laughs> that Glenn Miller back in the 40s? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, no, actually, I'm not even sure. I'm not even familiar with Pennsylvania, but I know the spoof spinoff, not spinoff, but the spoof tra- Transylvania 65000. 
Which is that a is a great movie. Fantastic. Gina Davis's titties look amazing in that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Jeff, come on, you got Jeff Goldblum in there and Gina Davis. I mean, it's that's a Michael, great movie. Michael Richards, uh, Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, I think Carol King too. <sighs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Zoomies too. You can, <laughs> uh, you can find it on Amazon Prime and Tubi right now for free if you want to watch this. Um, you're under the cast. There's only one person in the entire cast I'm going to even mention or bring up. And the only reason I'm doing it is because she has some local roots for us here uh, at Horrible Horror. Uh, and that is Erica Struderfant. I probably butchered that name, but what the hell. Uh, who plays our lead, Brooke Sullivan. And the only reason I mention her, like I said, is local roots. She's from Springfield, Missouri. But at the age of 23, she was the 2014 Miss Missouri and was Miss Missouri Teen USA in 2010. So, oh, no, shit. Yep. So she's, got, she's our beauty queen in this. And so she actually obviously competed in Miss America as well. But she didn't win, but she competed in it. She's our Miss Missouri 2014. So there you have it. Uh, that's right. All the I wonder. I wonder if when she was a Miss, you know, America teen t- young woman, if she had her lips and tits done like she does today. <laughs> Who knows? I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, damn, I will say the tits in this movie. Her tits look. Um, we never see them, but they look amazing. Like they, you know, they look good. Um, nice, nice. We get we get a lot of uh tank top side boob. Yeah, a lot of tank top side boob. Uh. So let's move on to the movie, shall we? Yeah, so, sure. Why not? Let's, uh, let's, let's. I mean, that is why we're here, right? I guess might as well do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm looking for my beer. I can't find it. Uh-oh. Oh, well, that's a problem. <laughs> Whole production. There, there he is. There we go. All right. So movie, we open with a group of what looks like a bunch of knockoff bargain bin Navy SEAL rejects armed and geared up like they're about to go raid Bin Laden's enclave, breaking <laughs> into a giant animal slash nature preserve. And this one, the, the, the black girl, yeah, she we, fucking, I'm sorry, go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, we have, we have bitches paratrooping in. Yeah, she parachutes, like fucking airborne style, into like the other side of the gate, just so she can open, you know, the lock or the gate from the other side, so the other guys can come in, which. How tall was that gate? Maybe 10 feet tall? Maybe. They could have like so they could, human they laddered it up. It could just give you a boost of a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> It's but, over. But also makes me wonder, like, why is she the only one that parachutes in? You know? It seems like a really expensive uh, way to get in when they can yeah. just get a ladder from Lowell's, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just climb that shit. I mean, there's right. trees all over the place. You can just hop, climb a tree and hop <laughs> over. But no, she parachutes in like a fucking airborne ranger and just, it's crazy. I um, mean, everything, everything they do is a little extra because, I mean, her camouflage is also real extra. It's like, that red and green and blue and you know like yeah. neon colors like pink. i'm so glad you brought that up because let's talk about their clothing for a minute <laughs> we haven't even gotten like 30 seconds in the movie yet we're already off on a tangent but like, you see these assholes you're like what <laughs> yeah like what the fuck you know it's like this first of all the camouflage she's wearing yes it's wacky it's a bit wacky it's not natural camouflage but on top of that it's not just like oh she's wearing camouflage pants and camouflage shirt she's wearing like, a skin tight camouflage bodysuit that looks like it's made of like like spandex or something like that like it's, it's like a superhero reject outfit yeah or something like you would see like you know an urban club or something like she's going out clubbing for a night or something in this thing and she and she pairs it with a heavy fur lined leather coat which by the way 
our Navy SEAL rejects are all wearing like thick parkas, like they're like they're on the expedition on Hoth or something like that. But but it's clearly like the middle of the summer. Yeah, big thick summer. coat. It's it's, it's kind of crazy. And uh, I, when it comes to the camouflage, though, I just remember back in the day, dude, we had a little, we had a, we had a, we had a little, little, little flirtation with camouflage at one point. Yeah. We were rocking camo quite uh, a bit. Mine was more of not just a little flirtation. I was like full on like going <laughs> steady with this camouflage. Like we were in a committed relationship. We might've been engaged at one point, me and the camouflage. Dude, you had so many different camouflage <laughs> I just, I just remember going to the uh, army surplus store and like, I remember looking at this pair of camouflage pants. It's like crazy ass colors. And I'm like, what kind of camo is this for? Like, well, what kind of like special operation is this for? And the guy just goes rockers it's for rockers, man. <laughs> like, okay. Rockers. And then I come and give me that pair of camouflage right there. <laughs> I seriously, like I had, yeah, I had the basic green and all that stuff. And, but I had like, the the try the three shade blue like a multi blue sh- shades yeah, of blue and white nice. I had uh, I had a uh, a black red gray and white pair uh, and then I had my favorite one that I wore the shell was my black white and gray ones I wore those like every other day it felt like in high school I remember I remember you wearing those quite with, a bit with my Timberland boots and my hoodies and my Wu Tang shirts oh I was I was a majestic thing majestic unicorn in high school. <laughs> You were a sight to behold. I was. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so let's get back to this movie. So, she, uh, black girl opens the gate. <laughs> all the rejects come in. Um, now, there's one other girl in our group. And this other girl is pretty much completely useless in this entire group. Like, the only thing she does for this group in this movie is, like, I think she just runs their social media and YouTube pages because all she does is follow them around with a camcorder recording everything, which seems to me like a brilliant fucking idea because you know like high-level poachers and black market people want video evidence of all their crimes, you know, if they ever get caught. Like what genius thought this was a good idea to like, let's videotape our... our It doesn't make make any sense if these guys are breaking into this facility to... I, I, oh, oh, spoiler alert, I don't know, steal some animals or something, but they're just, like, filming everything. Yeah. Not exactly the most uh, bright criminals we have here. No, they, not they, at they, all. They may be rockers, but they're not too bright. <laughs> so our leader of the group orders everyone to move out, and it cuts to the black chick saying, I've just about had it with you. And she's referring to a meerkat that stand up on a rock, making this little meerkat noises. Which really isn't bothering anyone at all. It's just kind of chilling, mind its own business. Yeah, exactly. But she pulls out this giant fucking trank dart gun filled with what looks like the goddamn like shit from Reanimator because it's neon fucking green and glowing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's the green voodoo juice. And we see it in every other fucking movie ever because there's some law in Iowa that everything has to be neon green and glowing if it's some kind of chemical for some reason. Always, uh, always. So one of the guys asked her, like, hey, what is that stuff? And she tells him it's a cocktail of her own creation that paralyzes the animal from within. And I'm like, no fucking shit. Because, like, doesn't every paralyzing agent paralyze from within? Like, isn't that how? Like, 
That's all they all are. Like, there's, I've never heard of like a topical paralyzed agent you rub on your skin like lotion to paralyze somebody. It, just, it all just works from within. for someone to knock them out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's uh, pretty dumb. So, the pitch, Again, they're rockers. They're not quite great scientists either. No, they are not. Um, they're rockers. <laughs> they're rockers. Uh, so, the bitch shoots the meerkat. So he, so his calls, his noises won't give them away, which again is just retarded logic to me because they're, because uh, they're this giant wildlife nature preserve. Like there's animals all around. Animals make noises all the time. It's not going to give them away. It's not like they're breaking into like a suburban house and the dogs barking. Like you gotta shut the dog up. There's my animals favorite, everywhere. My favorite part is that the the meerkat is what maybe. Seven inches tall. Uh, maybe give me, say a foot, foot and a half at most. But yeah, they're not too sure. And this thing sure. is a goddamn harpoon. It'd be like trying to, <laughs> someone, trying to give someone a shot with a spear. You know, I mean, the thing is gigantic in comparison yeah. to the size of a meerkat. So when it hits them, it'd be like, it would kill them. <laughs> it would, yeah, the thing is gigantic. It would kill that meerkat instantly. I think. Uh, like, like it's, it's like a twelve-pound meerkat. Imagine, <laughs> like she's. <laughs> In proportion, it's the size of a spear for a human. That's what yeah, it, it really is. Like it's not, we're not joking about that. that. That's not an exaggeration. It really is. Um, so they shoot it. The meerkat falls off the rock unconscious. But as soon as it hits the ground, its eyes open, and they have turned solid white. And for which those of you who are unfamiliar with the Zombies movie, um, the, the that's the main sign of the, like, the infected zombie animals from the first movie. They all have these dead white eyes, those blank white eyes. That's the zoomy zoominess. I don't know. Yeah. So the group now splits up, and the two chicks go one way, while all the other dudes go another, led by Canada's finest, uh, to go on to go hunt the big game, the bigger animals. And as they head off, we see like the tall grass behind them, like starts shaking as these animal sounds are heard, like, and then more and more sounds are heard as as more and more of the grass starts to shake and and and, and it kind of spreads like a you know like a wave across the this well while they may have boosted up the budget for prep for special effects and computer effects which they did it's an upgrade from zombies but their practical effect budget is basically shake the bushes shake the bushes <laughs> they have somebody lying there off screen to shake this with a stick or something like that yeah That's it's exactly pretty bad it is. <laughs> it's, it's so it's pretty bad uh, so we cut to the dudes walking through this moonlit field as leader, as the leader, you know, Canada's finest dude tells Guy and Vest to hang back and keep watch. So we jump back to the two chicks. The black girl tells him Canada's finest. You, well, you keep, you keep yeah. calling him. Well, it doesn't make sense right now. Well, not now, but it, it will in a minute because it will in a minute. So we cut back to the two, two girls. The black girl tells camera girl. The difference between a zoo and a refuge is like, what's the difference? And it's like, oh, well, a refuge is where the animals go before they go to a zoo. I'm like, eh, I don't think that's right. I, I, I don't think that's 100% accurate there, guys. You might want to check your, check your facts. Uh, a refuge is just basically an animal preserve where animals live freely in open range, open fields, as opposed to habitats and, uh, you know, enclosures at a zoo. Uh, it's, but anyway... Uh, we go back to dudes where Captain Canada loads up his giant Trank Dark sniper rifle, which this thing, we talk about the Trank, the, the Black Rose Trank gun was pretty big. This thing is like a 50 cal sniper rifle that would be used to take down like tanks or something like that. It's ginormous. It's like it's really shit. Um, and then the sounds of some unseen animals are heard. So Hispanic junkyard dog 
shows signs of concern, but Captain Cannon tells him, hey, guys, don't worry. And he goes back to taking aim at something. But the sounds get louder and closer. Hispanic junkyard dog tells Middle Eastern DJ and, and Captain Canada all gather around tight, like, oh, shit, what's going on? So, um, anyway, Hispanic junkyard dog, I say that because he's just a big kind of muscular guy. He's, Hispanic, but he's got this big old chain wrapped around his neck, like junkyard dog did. So, I don't know what else to call him. So, that's Hispanic junkyard dog. Uh, and then from out of the darkness comes a meerkat that bites into Middle Eastern DJ's ankle. A second one comes flying in off screen like a dive bombing eagle and tackles Hispanic <laughs> junkyard dog to the ground. Who's a big guy? He's like <laughs> at least 6'2, like easily probably 220 or more, like with a giant chain around his neck, and a fucking like eight pound meerkat tackles him to the ground uh, and, st- and starts using his claws and teeth and is like ripping. And shredding his spank junkyard dog's chest cavity open, killing him. Like he's just dead. <laughs> so that's our that's 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 our special effects. Uh, uh, looking at our special effects here, you know, um, compared to last uh, movie, Zombies, the original, they like I mentioned before, their special effects has gone up. And I remember watching this, I was like, okay, all right, we got a little improvement. I, I, that brought a little smile to my face. Right, I you know that's a good point you bring up, um, and, and we should comment on that because it is we do want to give credit where credit's due. Like if you saw the first Zoobies and or, or listened to their episode, we just dog like we we tore that movie apart by the special effects, and because it, it, it rightfully so it is like oh, by, some of, by far some of the worst, if not the all time worst, special effects we've seen on this show. A lot of it, and but this one, you're right. There is a and it's not a gigantic improvement, but there is definitely an improvement, a step up. From yes. the original, so it does. So we, I will give credit for that. Things do look a little bit better. Still bad, by by you know, you look at if you watch this by yourself, you're like, oh my god, this is terrible. It's horrible. But in comparison to the first one, definitely a night and day difference. So we give credit there that they did step up their CGI game a little bit in this one. So uh, Captain Canada takes off his fucking parka, um, and then because uh, like, like I said, it, it's fucking summer. Everything's lush and green, but everybody's wearing fucking giant winter coats. Um, and, and, uh, hold on, I'm sorry, uh, where were they, oh, anyway, he, he tosses it at the camera, like, he, he's, he's looking right at the camera, and he tosses this coat on top of the camera, giving us a blackout, so, like, he's supposed to be tossing on an animal or something, and then we just, we cut back to the dude in the vest, we told to hold back, and this guy looks like he should be working at a bookstore coffee shop, like, see, he's the guy who serves you coffee at the bookstore, that's what this guy looks like. Bookstore 100%. barista. Yeah, bookstore barista. He's sitting yeah. on a hill listening to his, his ear pods, his earbuds. Listening to slow jams, like, like ballady slow jams, like the quiet storm. Yes, like just that love music, man. Just, just the, he, he should be like lowering the lights and turning this music up just enough as he's opening a bottle of wine by the fire. Yes, there should, he should be on a bearskin rug with candles and, lo- yeah, it, it's with some chocolate dipped strawberries. Yeah, he's, he's, that's 100% what he should be doing. Anyway, the type of jams he likes to play when he's going to go on an illegal uh, poaching mission. Yeah, you know. <laughs> to each their own. I guess. Uh, so he hears gunshots fired off in distance, but he's like, he shrugs off, like, eh, whatever. Goes back to his sweet, sweet love music. And that's when, until a meerkat pops up right next to him and bites like three of his fingers off in one shot. Like, Arr! and his fingers gone. Bookstore barista gets up, runs off screaming, calling out for Toronto, which we now learn is Captain Canada's name. 
and hence so, why I call him yeah, Captain Canada. That's the big gag, is that Captain Canada's name is Toronto, and you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't reveal that earlier. There wow. you go. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel like an asshole, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for that one. Anyway. Tr- well, I'm, here. I'm in a bad mood, man. I'm just spreading <laughs> Meanwhile, Toronto is yelling at Bookstore to Barista that, hey, we're getting the fuck out of here. We're leaving. We jump back to the two chicks who have broken into the ever dangerous and super rare porcupine enclosure. Uh, because, you know, porcupines are in such high demand on the black market. And they're such an endangered species. So yeah. endangered. Uh, we do finally learn the black girl's name here is Giselle. We finally learned that uh, she sprays out some pheromones out and around to lure out a porcupine. So she can like capture it in a small cat cage. It's basically just let me buy you your local Petco, just a cat carrying case. Because I've got them, yeah. (laughs) So they capture the porcupine, they turn to leave, but they hear the sounds of a second one coming out. Giselle turns around and says, oh, it's mama porcupine. Like, mama, don't be upset we took your baby. You can have more. And just for no reason whatsoever, just to be a bitch, shoots the mama porcupine with her giant tranquilizing spear gun, basically. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> and that's when U.S. Special Forces Corporal Cutie rises up behind her with a gun aimed at her, telling her to stop. Giselle <laughs> oh, yeah. tells camcorder girl, who we find out her name is Lane or something like that, to run, but she instantly gets grabbed by another like Special Forces ripoff dude. Corporal Cutie orders his man to cuff both the girls and then to check on the mama porcupine. He tells him to bring, bring up another cage so they can take mama and baby back to headquarters to have it looked at. And yeah. then we just... These, these guys, these special forces guys, let's talk about them for a second because they sure. pop up. And they're like big muscular guys with automatic weapons and fatigues on, like military fatigues. Almost military, like... Almost, yeah. Almost like desert type of gear. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The 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 poachers were wearing more normal camouflage. These guys are wearing desert camo. Hundred percent, the tan with, brown desert camo with American flags on them. Yep. And the the poachers like, good eye, mate, or part of Cobra Cutie. Good eye, mate. <laughs> yeah. Buns over here, kangaroo, boomerangs. You know, dingoes. He's Australian as fuck. You know. Yeah, he is. Paul Hogan's uh, you know, son, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so after that, we cut. We get some stock footage of like these beautiful, majestic sunrises over like the landscape and all these animals like in the watering hole. It, it, you know, whatever. And we're stock footage. Yeah. And if you like, if you like drone stock footage, this movie's for you. Lots of that. Uh, so now we go. We're taking to the wildlife preserve, H, the headquarters, the HQ building, where we meet our main character, our heroine. Dr. Brooke Sullivan, who is the hottest veterinarian on the planet that you'll ever see. Uh, we also meet Katie, who's like a veterinarian's assistant or something like that, whose name tag is on Upside Down. And, yeah. in, and in rush is another guy named Logan, another assi- vet assistant, telling Brooke that Hawk is on the radio and that he's caught some poachers. So Brooke rushes so Captain, to the ra- Captain Cutie's name is Hawk. Like Hawk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I swear the first time I watched it, I thought they were saying hawk. I'm like, well, that makes sense. It's an animal movie, hawk. Okay, fine. But no, it's hawk. Um, so, yeah, hawk tells him that, you know, he's bringing these animals back and that she needs to be – and like, you know, she tells him, like, if you bring these animals back here, I will not be held responsible for my actions, referring to the poachers, not the actual animals themselves. Not the actual animals. 
Uh, a third guy, Ford, he's there. And he, I was like, hey, you know what? I'll stay here if you guys want to get going. You know, uh, Brooke says, no, this is not going to ro- ruin Rosie's big day. And then she's going to be released back into the wild as scheduled. And the three guys start to head out. Brooke stops them saying that if you're going out there, you'll need protection and goes over to this flimsy fucking closet and pulls out two military grade shotguns and tells them these aren't for the animals. These are for the poachers. This is basically what she's getting at. <laughs> They're going out there armed to the, like military grade shotguns to shoot poachers to go release some animal back into the wild. It's just ridiculous. I wonder, I wonder where this is supposed to take place. We have because, no clue. We yeah, don't. They, they, they never, they never pinpoint where. Um, all, well, the majority of the animals that we see throughout the movie are uh, look like they're from Africa. You know, yes. like crabs and lions. I mean, we'll, we see a bunch of these animals coming up, and then they were in the first one too. Um, so it's it's no surprise. I mean, it's on the cover. Um, but it's <laughs> in Africa. I do know that there are some reserves that will kill poachers. If they're poaching, they will shoot to kill. Now, they can get away from it because they're kind of a third world country and they don't give a fuck about human rights. But, man, they, it's, so I'm just kind of curious where they're at. And honestly, I'm okay with that, those laws over in Africa. I, I kind of agree. With, I'm okay with that. But, yeah, we, th- it's never established where this preserve, wildlife preserve is. Um, we never figured out. It doesn't, they never say. Uh, it's, def- it's certainly not Africa based on the landscape. It's very, gra- it's very lush, very green. It's not like the jungles of africa or the sierra it, it's not it's yeah, maybe <laughs> don't know where the fuck it is um so anyway four tells him hey if you really want to get back to the poachers spray them down with these and then he opens up another cabinet to reveal several small spray cancers of animal pheromones um and they're like ah, ha, ha, that's funny you know katie and ford leave while brooke and logan go prepare like a a small side room they can convert into like a makeshift holding cell for the for the uh poacher prisoners they have coming their way we cut back to toronto and bookstore barista running along a path there's like running on this little uh you know black asphalt path and on one side was like just this wooden fence just a thin wooden fence they're arguing about leaving and as they're arguing uh up runs a rhino uh yeah yeah so the the toronto and bookstore barista are like it's almost like they're leaning against an ad, you know, like the wall is like full of like pictures and stuff. Like, is this, is this, is this like a visitor center? What's going on? You know, why, why are there all these pictures on there? Anyway, um, they're like, we got to climb the wall. I can't, I got to climb the wall. He's like, my hand. And he like holds up his hand and he's just holding down his three fingers. Yeah. Plain as day. Just plain as day. Holy, just holding those fingers down. That. It's all bloody. <laughs> he's like, look at my hand. And Toronto's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> They're committing so much to the fact that Bookstore Barista, he's not holding down his three fingers. They're really gone. <laughs> yeah, they're, really, really, they're selling it for the people in the cheap seats. But uh, Toronto also refuses. Like, I'm not going to let you get me. You know, I'm not going to get arrested because of you or something like that. Or I'm not going to get paid. Or I don't know. He, they're arguing about this shit. Up runs a rhino. At that point, seeing that Bookstore Barista, they're like, oh, fuck it. Now he starts trying to climb over the, the wooden wall. But yeah. he gets halfway up and wham. Impaled through the back by the rhino, the rhino's horns. Yes. And the rhino like lifts his head up, which is like lifts bookstore barista, which is still impaled on his horn, like over his head, like, and he's dangling like ah. And in slow motion, 
motion. In slow motion. <laughs> slow fucking motion. Toronto, we see Toronto screaming in slow-mo as books or baristas in slow-mo. He coughs up this thick, like, chocolate syrup-looking blood. Uh, <laughs> all, again, all in slow motion. Eventually, Toronto runs off. And uh, I, I didn't, I just had to make a note that, again, like, this wall... Like, it's just a wooden fence. Like, it's not even that thick or, like, solid-looking wood. Like, this rhino probably should have impaled him and broken through the fence at the same time. Like, if this is what they're trying to use to keep the animals in, they really need to up their security game because, god damn, it's so flimsy-looking. A rhino could well, burn that shit easily. If that's what you noticed, man, you were looking at the wrong thing because that kill was pretty cool. I'm not saying it wasn't. Pretty good. I mean, they, they showed him on pale. I mean – Sure, the computer graphics were shitty, but there was blood everywhere. It was so, it was, you know, what you want to see a rhino do. You want to see a rhino impale somebody and boom, you got it. You got so it. Like, hey. Yeah, no, I, I can't argue that. Man. No, you're 100% right. Like, and I'm not complaining about the kill. I'm just saying it should have been a flimsy wooden wall fence. You got a uh, nip there. You're going to pick it, right? You got to pick it. It's my job. Uh, anyway, we're back at HQ. Hawk rushes in with two porcupines in cages brooke lifts up the black cloth covering the cages and we see mama porcupine now has the white eyes and is snarling and i don't think porcupines can actually snarl but fuck it this one is uh brooke sedates the uh, sedates mama porcupine giselle and lane get escorted by hawks men who are wearing bulletproof fucking vests like, we didn't call about that the first time we they're wearing army fatigues and stuff but not just that they're wearing bulletproof fucking vests and like why are they fucking doing that because like when did when did animals start packing heat? When they got start wearing getting shot by a goddamn giraffe or something like that? Why are they wearing bulletproof vests? It, it's ridiculous. Well, you do have poachers coming in with fucking M fifty M fifty like sniper rifles. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I guess. All right. Fine. Fair enough. Point. Uh, Put that knit back. That knit's not coming. <laughs> Put that one back in the deck. Put it back in the. <laughs> all right. Uh, so Brooke wants to know what Giselle did to the porcupine, but Giselle start, is playing her badass bitch card and refuses to talk and tells Brooke that she's going to have to beat it out of her. And then, so Giselle and Lane are just, are, are just hauled off to like the holding cell side room. Um, at this point, I got to mention that I, at this point I can tell that the character of Lane is definitely a new mother or a, or a parent of a very small child at home because when she gets tossed into the room, she asked one of the special forces guys, what if I have to use the potty? Only people with young kids and babies use the word potty. No other adult ever will utter that word ever. You know, I, I, I know you're on a nitpicking fiasco, but I kind of have to agree with this one because I don't know anyone who's ever said potty other than like a mom talking to a little kid. So yeah. I say it to my daughter all the time, who's three. And Aaron, you're, you're, it's going to be in your vocabulary very soon. Uh, yes. It, it's an, like, you have kids. You say the word potty. People without kids never say that word, ever. So uh, one of the guys just kicks a metal bucket in the room and locks the door behind him. Hawk goes over to the radio, reports the poachers to some dispatcher somewhere, and requests a pickup for them. Uh, while Logan comes back in with syringes, Brooke injects the porcupine, while the dispatcher tells Hawk it will be at least six hours before the chopper can get to them. Six fucking hours. Where in I the God's wish, name are I, they? <laughs> I just wish they would have said, we're, uh, chopper's in repair. Something's going on. It's going to take us six hours. Instead of like, 
six hours and like crikey me oh jeez i mean you know it, it, yeah, they, 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 that they, would make sense like oh it's ground for a bit because these you know okay they're closer but the way it makes sound like they're like so far away it's gonna take six hours by flight to chop to get them for comparison it only takes four hours to fly from st louis to miami four hours but it's gonna take them six hours to get to wherever the hell this place is well you're also flying in a jet not a helicopter still but <laughs> four hours it's ridiculous uh not happy about getting stuck with a needle, the porcupine, which now has superpowers, apparently shoots one of its quills out at Brooke and Logan. The quill embeds itself into a spine of a book, and Brooke just, you know, decides to inject the porcupine again. Uh, the second injection knocks it out cold. And by the way, for those who don't know, no, porcupines cannot shoot quills out of their back like you see in this movie. They don't do that. It'd be fucking cool if they did. <laughs> It'd be a whole lot cooler if you did, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brooke and Logan take the porcupine to the lab to figure out what's it infected with. And right after they enter the lab, a bloody Toronto pops up, banging on the lab windows from outside, yelling for help. Brooke and Logan rush back out to get Hawk. But at this point, in runs Toronto, scream like a madman. They're all going to kill us. They're going to get us. We're all going to die. Toronto gets tackled to the floor by Hawk and his men. He tells them that all the others are dead. It was the animals, the meerkats, and the rhino. Everyone thinks that Toronto's is high on something because they find his vape pen. Here's yes. his vape cigarette. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's doped up on something because here's his vape pen. He's smoking those goofballs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's like, so, you sure you're not just messed up on this stuff? It can make you see things, man. Because yeah, his pomegranate flavored vaping juice is, is making him hallucinate. Um, I mean, of course they do make vape marijuana or vape THC, but come on. Nobody that's, hallucinates off that shit. That's bonkers. So uh, Toronto fights with Hawks, man, and tries to make a run for it, but he gets stabbed in the back by Brooke, who you see holding her holding like another syringe. And so she injects him with something. Uh, Toronto's still conscious, but he's heavily sedated. He just gets dragged off. Uh, the guy the other man he's, he's still trying to warn them about the animals and everything but no one's listening so we're skipping to brook and logan back in the lab with the porcupine she draws some blood and looks looks at it under her microscope to try to identify what disease this thing has and we cut right back to this special ranger force and toronto racing through the park in a jeep toronto tells him that he and his crew came in through the east gate and were hunting the elephants um, as they drive down this road, they pass a wooden signpost that has an arrow on it labeled Meerkats. Seeing this, Toronto starts to flip the fuck out, tells them to turn around now. We're all going to die. We got to get out of here. And, of course, you know, the men in the truck are just like, shut up. Why are you being a pussy? You're, you're afraid of tiny Meerkats? Like, what's again, wrong? Again, and I'm kind of going back to that same thing. It's like they have, a, like you said, they had a sign that's like giraffes over here. Elephants over here, meerkats over here. It's like it's it's a guide, but it makes you think that there'd be tourists or something yes. that want. It's like yeah, it, very it much seems like a the, or to refuge refugee. Um, you know, it would just be like you said earlier, just open space for the animals to live freely within a certain enclosure. They wouldn't separate them. Um, not necessarily. There are some animal refuges that are touristy that you can go visit that you can get like uh, you get like on a big like uh. Let's say bus or like a big uh, open yeah, right. truck, and you drive through the field and you see them from a distance. And so the different fields like okay, this this pasture has 
the elephants and giraffes because they can live together in harmony. And this one might have these animals and this one might have these animals. But yeah, I get the idea that this is made, this is also made for like probably a tourist attraction as well. Like they take tours out at some point. At least that's yeah. what it looks like, 100%. Um, so um, Hawk stops the Jeep. He and Isaiah, which is one of the other like, Ram dudes, they get out to have a look around. And Hawk finds various body parts and limbs scattered around to the ground. Dude, and I was expecting to see your practical effects go-to special for low-budget movies is going to your local Halloween store and just buying a whole bunch of random body parts and scattering them about. Yeah, but no, 100%. That's right. That's what makes sense to me, too. That's exactly what I thought we were going to see. But no, no. We get that same type of effect, but with CGI. <laughs> yeah, we get CGI body parts, which one, had to be more expensive than buying practical ones. I don't know why they did that. And two, they don't look right. They look weird. It's like it's like they Photoshopped them in afterwards or something like that. Like They just don't look, they look odd and out of place there. It's so, it's such a weird choice that they made to do that. I don't like get it. Opposite, they got shadows going different directions. And, you know, like, they're just placed on it – it just really looks shitty. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's so weird. So, anyway, Hawk hears some animal sounds, tells Isaiah to stay back. Hawk walks her up to the dead, the, the dead body of Middle Eastern DJ, and that's when a yes, blood-covered yes. meerkat explodes out from the dead Middle Eastern DJ's mouth. Yes. And this looks so bad. It's so, so, so bad-looking. But I fucking love it because it's so goddamn ridiculous. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, there's so much weird fake blood flying everywhere, and it just bursts out of this guy's mouth, and this meerkat, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid. But it's great. It's great. It makes you wonder, how the fuck did the meerkat get in there in the first place? Like, they're burrowing animals. Did he, like, go up through – did he go up through the back door and burrow his way up through the guy? Like, oh, how did he – <laughs> I don't know, but Hawk rushes up, bashes the meerkat in the face with the butt of his shotgun, kills the meerkat. They start hearing more sounds from around him. Hawk and Isaiah can't identify him. They stand there looking around for a bit until a killer fucking aardvark comes rushing out from behind a rock formation. You heard right, moon goons. An aardvark. An aardvark, which have like, first of all, are like super gentle creatures. Yeah, and they're anti. They don't, they don't even have, yeah, they don't even have teeth. They have no teeth. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure. I could, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they don't have teeth. Um, so the aardvark leaps at Isaiah, tackles him to the ground. So you have a jumping aardvark at this point, tackles Isaiah to the ground and starts ripping at his chest with its claws. The other one of Hawk's men stands up in the back of the Jeep and starts shooting at the aardvark along with Hawk who's only like, keep in mind, Hawk is like 12 feet away with a fucking shotgun. That's, that's being generous. Yeah, but neither one of them can shoot this fucking aardvark at all. And keep in mind, Hawk has a shotgun and can't hit the aardvark. Just even regards the fact the, the, the dude that's being killed by the aardvark should be fucking dead just from straight bullets at this point. If they can't hit the aardvark, they should be hitting the guy underneath the aardvark. <laughs> especially with a shotgun. But um, it, it, at this point, they've, they've shoot, they spent like good good 20 seconds shooting at this thing. I think after the first five seconds, if you can't hit it, run, do what you did with the meerkat, Hawk. Run up to the fucking aardvark and kick it off your teammate or hit it with the shotgun butt. And, you know, 
But no, they both just stand there and basically let this guy get shredded to pieces and just get <laughs> just get killed. This guy should be alive. It was an easily avoidable death, but these assholes just stood there and basically let it happen. Um, so, fuck it. So, Hawk finally, Hawk finally shoots the aardvark in the head, and the, the head explodes. Just boom. It's a perfect, a perfect symmetrical explosion. Yeah. Um, Trial says to Hawk, what did I tell you, Warren? The jungle is getting its revenge. And now we cut to KD and Ford driving through a different section of the preserve on their way to release Rosie, which is, we turn, is, turns out to be a baby hippo, back into the wild. As they're driving, they're talking, they're laughing. They hit something, which causes them to stop. Katie gets out to see what it is. All we see is some blurry, bloody, furry chunks on the tire. And Katie, yeah, and Katie bends down to look at it and says, it looked dead before I even hit it. Um, but they decide, you know what? Fuck it. This is a good enough spy as to release the baby hippo. So what is, you know, yeah, we were supposed to go I, over I, here, I but it. this is fine. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're going to release this baby hippo back into the wild. And they're like, oh, this spot's fine. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it's just a little silly. Uh, so they take her cage down to like the lake or the water hole or what river, wherever it is, some body of water, and and they open up. The hippo comes out, goes into water. You never see it again. Never plays a part in the movie whatsoever. Uh, but it is again a really cheesy CGI looking baby hippo. It looks something like Disney. It almost looks like a happy Disney cartoon. Yes, it's like skipping into the water. I was just about to say that it looks like a Disney hippo. <laughs> uh, it just needs or- a tutu. Yes. Thank you. What was that from? Yeah, I was trying to think what card. Yeah, the Fantasia. 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 Yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Um, so Ford looking around, he says, um, Ford says, I bet the other hippos can't wait to welcome her, to which Katie says, as he's looking around, speaking of, where are the other hippos? So, hmm. Where are the other hippos? Yeah, something's not right here. Uh, <laughs> we, now we cut to some crappy CGI cells that Brooke is looking at through her microscope. And she says something's not right here as she watches the crappy CGI cells eat and take over other crappy CGI looking cells. The whole thing looks terrible. Hold on. There's nothing. There's something wrong here. I was supposed to be playing Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, waka, 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 waka. things are just like eating other uh, the, She... So this, so this, she stands up and says that the woman is a monster, referring to Giselle, and she's going to pay for this, and she storms out of the room to go get Giselle. Brooke confronts Giselle about the reagent she used on the pork rack. Does Manny know what it is? What's in it? Uh, while Giselle and Brooke argue, Logan holds Laney, Lane at bay with, like, this giant or, bright orange, like, cattle prod taser-looking thing. Yeah. Um, it's gigantic, like everything else in this movie. Uh, Giselle says something along the lines of, hey, maybe I made a mistake in the mixture, but I'm just trying to make a little cash before we all go extinct. Um, now we jump back to Hawk, radioing back to headquarters, telling Brooke about what happened. Hawk tells Brooke to secure the building and don't let in any more animals while he goes out to find Katie and Ford to bring them back. We go right back to Brooke and Logan. She tells them to go check on the porcupines and to keep them all sedated and uh, locked up in the lab, which will now become a quarantine zone, I guess, for any other animals or whatever. I don't know. 
She goes back to the weapons closet and pulls out the Trank gun they took from Giselle. She goes into the holding cell room and demands Giselle to tell her how to get the dart out so she can analyze the reagent, but Giselle is still holding onto her badass bitch card and refuses to help. So Brooke aims the gun at the two prisoners at, and like, oh, shit, okay, okay. Lane breaks down, tells Brooke how to get the dart out against Giselle's wishes. Again, Brooke asks what it, what's it made out of and threatens to use it on them if they don't talk. Man, Brooke has got it out for Giselle big time. Yeah. They're like beating you about the head and shoulders about how much she hates Giselle. Uh, you know, it's 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 getting to the point of like I almost feel bad for Giselle. <laughs> yeah, kind <laughs> you're right there. Like, yeah, it's it's over the top. Like they they really hammer home the whole I hate poachers. All poachers are evil. They're the scum of the earth. And but yeah, it's it's getting pretty bad. It's getting to the point where it's like she's threatening to shoot her with this God knows what. Well, they they know it's a fucked up formula. They know something's wrong with it. Yeah. She's threatening to shoot her with them. I'm just like, I'm starting to feel bad for the poacher. Is that right? <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's the outcome that was was opposite. Maybe it's she's so mean to Giselle because secret she, secretly she's in love with her. Ooh, you know, one of those like, things like, like I hate you, but I, I I love you, but I hate you, or something like I that. Love I, that. I love that leather jacket, that teardrop tattoo. But you're, ooh, I hate you. You're, yo, we didn't mention that part. Yeah, Giselle has a teardrop tattoo on her too. Forgot to <laughs> you mentioned that. She kind of looks like Lauren Hill from the Fergies back in like the '90s. She's got the like this short. The sh- uh, did I say Fergie? Yeah, <laughs> Lauren. She looks like Lauren Hill uh, from of the Fugees. Fugees, not Fuji. the Fergies. Yeah, <laughs> from the Fugees, like the really Fergie. short crowd from the Fergies. <laughs> White chicks like doing cartwheels. I don't know from Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so fuck it. We go to Logan in the lab, and he goes to sedate the porcupines but finds that they have now chewed through their cages and are missing. Uh, he, he comes around the table and ends up in like a face-to-face standoff with one of the porcupines. Yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts back to Brooke, who hears clattering coming from the lab and, and noises. And she, yeah. yeah. She rushes in and finds Logan standing there with, her, with his back to her. He slowly turns around to face her, and we see that he's now become a human pincushion Yes. <laughs> yep, he's got three giant porcupine quills sticking out of his face with the fourth one in his shoulder. He falls over dead to reveal the porcupine on the table now, uh, snarling at Brooke. It stands up on its two rear legs, then charges Brooke, who screams, runs out of the room, slamming the door behind her. Keep that in mind. Yes. But somehow now, porcupines are like velociraptors, I guess. Um, but I don't know. They, they, they somehow now open the doors because I don't know how. And out comes Mama Porcupine followed by her baby. Brooks hiding under a desk. And while the porcupines look around the room, like again, like the Velociraptors yeah, looking around the yeah, kitchen in Jurassic Park. You mentioned Jurassic Park. And then the scene is co- directly cut from Jurassic Park. This is exactly the Velociraptors hunting for the kids in the kitchen. But instead, we have two tiny fucking porcupines scurrying around to find a failed Miss America competitor. <laughs> Mama porcupine starts coming around the desk. Brooke's watch alarm starts going off, starts beeping. Uh, the porcupine comes all the way around the desk where, where Brooke was hiding, but we see Brooke is gone. The camera pans around to the other side and we see where Brooke is now hiding on the side of the desk and then pans up above her 
to reveal the porcupine, which now must be wearing like some fucking Air Jordans because it's got some serious fucking hops. Because it's now on top <laughs> of the desk looking down at Brooke. So I don't know how it gets up there. I don't, know, I don't think porcupines are known for their leaping ability, but it's now on top of the desk looking down at Brooke. She runs, um, and she runs right as, as the porcupine leaps down at her. The porcupine shoots out an, another quill at her, but Brooke's able to grab a book or something and use it as a shield stopping. Oh, it's not just one quill. She shoots at like three quills at once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she grabs a book. It stops most of the quills from getting her, but one of them does hit Brooke in the hand. So Brooke drops to the floor in pain. The porcupine charges her. She grabs it. Okay, so covering quills, she, but she does grab it with her hands, tosses it away, but it lands on its feet like a fucking cat and charges again. Shoes. <laughs> it's got to be the shoes and the Jordans. Is it the teeth? No. Is it the quills? No. Is it the <laughs> shoes? It's got to be the shoes. <laughs> if anybody knows that 90s air, 90, 1990s campaign for Michael Jordans. Yep. Brooke glances up, sees uh, the bright orange cattle prod, grabs it. The charging porcupine leaps at Brooke, but ends up getting stabbed in the chest by the prongs of the cattle prod, which kind of looks like a giant barbecuing fork painted orange. <laughs> um, uh, Brooke tells the porcupine, says to the porcupine, you're a bad mama, and then pulls the trigger, and the electrical surge causes the porcupine to fucking explode. Not yeah. just die and like shaking explode in a bloody mess what the Boom. shit that might be against like some regulations like a cattle prod that's that powerful it makes animals explode again i love it i, I love it but i think Peter might have some some issues with that i don't know man <laughs> jesus christ so she pulls the quill out of her hand and her, then hears giselle and lane screaming from the other room so she rushes over into the holding cell room to find giselle on top of a bench screaming while Lane is on the floor fighting with a porcupine that is on her face. Yeah. It's like grabbed onto her face. Brooke reaches down, rips the porcupine off of Lane, but in doing so, the porcupine rips Lane's face off completely, killing completely her. Off. Completely <laughs> off. The whole face gone. Face off. John Travolta, Nick, Nicholas Cage, face off yes instantly gone and just and I, it's, dead. It's, it's great it's great because the effects it's like all like it looks like a crazy like who jeff dunham does that stupid uh puppet with the like the al-qaeda pub with the mom yeah the, the suicide bomber guy it yeah almost like that with like some goo on it the eyes are going wiggle, 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 like all over the place but again i loved it i just love I was. I did not expect that. I expected to pull back and see some scratches, maybe like her eye gone. But dude, her whole fucking face ripped off. Bravo. Yeah. Speaking of which, you're the medical guy. I mean, would that kill a person instantly? Though, like, there's no like ma massive organs there. I, and we saw in Face Off, they took a person's face off and lived. Granted, it's science fiction. It's not happening, but. I would think like if somebody's face got ripped off, like just the top layer, that's layer of skin, before the muscle tone, it's the it's like, such a rare injury to happen. I don't think it's been bandaged it's up. Been it. It's been documented that people have survived having their like the animals attack, you know, but faces getting bitten off or ripped off. But at the same time, there's been people who've died of having their faces, you know. So it's 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 
hit or miss. I mean, your face and neck in that whole area is very vascular. So if you hit the wrong artery or vein, you know, it could, you could bleed out, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. To but say. she doesn't die from bleed out. She just face off. She's dead. You don't see her bleed out or anything. <laughs> it's just, she's dead. Uh, I'm a face gone. That's it. I call it quits. I call, I'm, I'm throwing a towel at this part. <laughs> Dice done. Um, I think I would do. On the <laughs> anyway, Brooke tosses the motherfucker. <laughs> Brooke tosses the porcupine across the room. It too lands on its feet, charges the Zell. But Brooke traps it under their piss bucket. But she never puts a weight on top of the bucket to keep it trapped. So, like, this thing should easily be able to just tip it over and get out. Um, it wasn't like Ash in, in Evil Dead 2 putting farewell to arms on top of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, I just got after watching this movie again. And I can't believe I didn't notice that before. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> um, but I, I, I got to mention this, though, because I, I, I'm a little, little um, bamboozled, if you will, at, at this fact that how the fuck the porcupine got into the locked room in the first place. The door was locked from the outside with a key. Like, they locked him in there. But now, so the porcupine is in the room killing Lane. Like, is it, te- is it a teleporting porcupine? Does it face Ooh. walls like Kitty Pride? Like, how does this thing get inside the locked room? What or the like, fuck? <laughs> like Nightcrawler, bam. Bam. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. So anyway, afterwards, Brooke notices that during all this commotion, she took a quill to the shoulder too. Um, we cut to Katie and Ford releasing Rosie at the river, which we just mentioned. Um, after they release her, they hear the sounds of a large herd running in the distance. Katie grabs a pair of binoculars from, from the Jeep and looks through them then just yells at Ford to run. And the two of them take off running, which seems like a really stupid idea, given that it would probably be a thousand times safer and faster to just get in the Jeep they're standing right next to and drive away instead of running on foot. Because over a small hill comes a giant herd of stampeding rhinos. And what? This This herd is gigantic. This herd is got to be 500 rhinos deep. Easily. Easy. Yeah. Like th- this, these are black rhinos, which are highly endangered. Like 5,000 but- left in the world. We, we, we looked it up. Yeah, there's like 5,000 left in the world. And they have about Like a quarter of them. Are all <laughs> a quarter of all of them are in this one animal preserve stampeding towards them right now. So as they're running um, – Hawk pulls up in his Jeep. Is like, you guys need a lift or some some, some stupid line like that. Um, and uh, Katie, he hops in the back seat next to Toronto while Ford tries to climb in the back, but just can't seem to remember how his hands work because he keeps losing his grip on the roll bars. It keeps falling off. Like, a, like what are, these, is, are these things covered in a grease or, or butter or something? Like, why you can't hold on to these roll bars? Yeah, because as soon as they peel out, he's like, whoa, <laughs> just falls right off the back. Yeah, but before they even do that, now the Jeep, which was running, Hawk drives up, puts doesn't put it in park, never turns the engine on, just drives up, says, hey, you guys need a lift. Engine dies. Just ended out of nowhere. Now the Jeep doesn't work. Like but a lame he, excuse just to, like, give you suspense. I mean, you already yeah. had suspense. Why are we doing this? 
I agree. Like, it's, a, it's a really lame attempt to, to build suspense. But he gets the Jeep started again, peels off as the Ronald Stampede starts to pass them by. Again, they could just sat there in the Jeep, and the Rhinos would have ran right past him. But, of course, he, he races off, and as the Jeep races off, Butterfinger Ford slips off the back, and he gets trampled by a CGI Rhinos. And not just trampled again, but his entire upper torso from, like, waist up explodes under the weight of a rhino foot, leaving just his legs behind. Just smashing like a cockroach on the kitchen floor. It's like Galactus stepping on a cockroach. That's how bad it was. Like, no, you get trampled by a rhino, you're probably going to die. Or you feel, yeah, your ribs are – you're not going to fucking explode, I don't think. It, you, I'm pretty sure you're not going to explode oh, oh, from that. But, yeah, it, he explodes. It's amazing. It's terrible looking, but it's amazing at the same time. Holy shit. So now we get the car slash rhino chase scene that looks fucking ridiculous in every possible way. First of all, the rhinos – the, the people in the car act like the rhinos are actually after them. But never once in this entire chase scene do we see a rhino try to ram the Jeep, charge at them, or try to harm them in any way, shape, or form. That would cost too much. That would cost too much, Marshall. They already paid for the footage of the I guess. I mean, the rhino is running alongside of them, just running. um, You know, again, it reminds me of Jurassic Park again. Like that scene, the original one, where they're like – Running with the the brontosauruses and the, on the small dinosaur, just right, and they're they're not attacking; yeah. they're just running right past them. But anyway, so with that said, the game wardens who are, you know, their job is to protect these highly endangered animals, decide to start shooting the harmless rhinos. So <laughs> the random dude, other guy who we don't know, just stands up and see and starts shooting his pistol at the herd of rhinos, and again from the, but, the CGI, he's. But that's- but that's not enough. That's nope. not enough. They're shooting the pistol. They get they uncuff the criminal, the poacher. Yeah. Uncuff Toronto and give him a fucking giant fucking battle ready action shotgun. To which he starts blowing away, going. <laughs> he's <laughs> laughing like a maniac. <laughs> yeah, he's blasting these rhinos. <laughs> like this is what I live for: killing endangered species. This- just blasting them, just headshot, bam, headshot, bam. Rhinos, rhinos getting shot and dying left and right. Uh, and he is the happiest I've ever seen. <laughs> he is very jubilant. Um, and to keep in mind, none of these rhinos have the white eyes of the infected animals that we've seen. Uh, they're just nip, running. Nitpick, nitpick. Um, so anyway, this happens for a while. Like this goes on for a while until the Jeep flies off a cliff or a hill or something, which <laughs> how the fuck Hawk didn't see that coming? Just makes you the <laughs> shitty driver. Like you would see that coming so far ahead of you. Like, oh God, there's a hill coming up. Whoa! It's fucking Thelma Louise this shit, man. It's basically what it, it's a Thelma Louise off this cliff and it, it blacks out. And we go back to HQ. Uh, Brooke rips the quill out of her shoulder and this quill is like a foot long. Like the porcupine, the quill is bigger than the porcupine that shot it. It's insanity. It, it's got, it's like a small arrow. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and then she tries to call Hawk on the radio, but she gets no response. Uh, getting no response, she fears that she's all alone. So she decides to go let Giselle out so they can team up. Um, 
Giselle says that because she created the toxin, she thinks she can't counteract it. And so Giselle goes and gets her furry, fur-covered fanny pack out of the weapon locker that the, and then head into the lab. And I just want to, again, just mention this weapon locker you would think would be a metal locked-up locker because they keep military-grade shotguns in it, but just like this plastic cabinet thing you can go buy like a guardian center at like your Home Depot or something like that. It's can't, so bad. Can't let it um, go, okay. So anyway, we cut the hawk lying unconscious on the ground. He gets woken up by Toronto pouring water on his face. Toronto tells Hawk that the other guy, random dude, number three, we don't know, he died in the crash, and then hands him this giant, like, dirty, hairy-ass, like, revolver with some ammo. And, and we see Katie is alive. He's sitting on a log in the background, just kind of, you know, chilling, just kind of, like, collecting himself. Uh, some rain starts to fall, very light rain. So it's not a hard rain. It's not a thunderstorm. Just a light sprinkle, but rain starts falling. And Hawk tells Toronto that they're about two miles. A drizzle. A drizzle. drizzle. There you go. Good. Hawk tells them that they're like two miles uh, from, from, um, what was it, headquarters, and that they better, uh, you know, grab your can and get ready to hoof it back. But, you know, um, he snaps (laughs) at this. uh, Katie snaps at this, not wanting anything to do with walking back through the wild and ends up punching Toronto in the face. Blaming him for all of this. Uh, Hawk breaks it up. Which Toronto is pretty calm about. Toronto's like, yeah, I deserve that. Yeah. He, yeah, he did. He takes he takes it well. Hawk breaks up, tells Katie to calm down, and says to Katie, hey, you know this area better than anyone, which bothered me too because the, the forest ranger, the, the, the warden who's out there with the animals all day in the Jeep, he's the one who should know the land better than anyone, not the veterinary's assistant who works in the vet office all day. But they yeah, try but- to explain it a little bit. Um, go ahead, Aaron. You were, yeah, you were- yeah, yeah you're, you're right. They're trying to explain a little bit. Like, apparently, hit Katie's dad, his yeah. father, designed this refuge. So, by proxy, he should know <laughs> this place better than anyone. So, Grant, they're kind not- of trying to explain it just to give KD a little bit more, I don't know, sway, I- a little bit more or usefulness uh, the, maybe because but i mean but that by that logic my dad used to be a contractor and he built buildings all over the place like just because he built them doesn't mean i could go to that building it's like i know where this is i don't know a shit about the buildings he built i know he built them but i don't i can't tell you how to get around them um anyway so right katie points them off in, in this direction of uh this gulch, this the gulch, she says, and it's like, this is going to be the best way back to HQ, but you know, it's going to be wet, muddy and filled with bugs or something like that, but it's the fastest way. So speaking of back to HQ, we go back there where Brooke is on the radio with the dispatcher who tells her that the chopper should be there by before sundown, but that the medical and corner teams are still being assembled. So the helicopter hasn't even left yet. And it's still, hours before they get there like i don't know everybody on the other side of this radio should be fired for incompetence because it's just here that there's like fuck these assholes i don't these guys are jerks let's just take our time yeah or maybe they legitimately are on jurassic park in an island in costa rica somewhere like i don't know where the fuck this place is at but anyway the dispatcher then blames the weather by the way but it's just a light drizzle a light drizzle. And they're like, oh, the weather's so bad, we can't get out there. 
But their goddamn first responders in a fucking helicopter are constantly performing rescue missions in bad storms and rain. That's what they do. It's their job. And you're telling me a light drizzle is grounding the helicopter? What is wrong with these people? <laughs> we go back to Hop, Katie, and T-Ron, uh, and they come across a field filled with skeletons of various large animals. And Hawk comes to the brilliant conclusion that the animals are starting to feed on each other. Like, fucking A. Are you serious? How is this guy a game raid, a ranger? Because that's what animals do. <laughs> animals eat other animals. It's the circle of life. It's like, he's like, oh, my God, they're feeding on each other. Well, no <laughs> shit, dumbass. Like, what do you fuck? So, fuck. Anyway, T-Ron says they need to find another way around so they don't end up pooped out by whatever animal did this and hawk agrees so they move on you go back to giselle and brooke they they're talking in the lab while giselle looks at the slides in the microscope and here we learn a little more about giselle that she went to both princeton and yale yeah for chemistry for yeah. Chemi yeah thank you for chemistry or something and while brooke was on the radio giselle put the baby porcupine which she has named spike in a cage in the lab so they can test the antidote on it later Giselle quickly makes the antitoxin based on enzymes in the human blood. Uh, the two of them start to bond a little bit here, and we figure out, and we and Giselle figures out that Brooke is pregnant, even though Brooke doesn't even know this at the time. She's like, "Oh, I, I, I don't know." Um, Brooke asks Giselle why she's wasting her life hunting exotic animals, to which Giselle replies. When you hurt like I hurt, sometimes the only thing that will make you feel better is hurting something back. So we're trying to get deep with Giselle and try to, you know, make and, her. And we don't. We don't need to do that. We, we don't really don't. It's uncalled for. Just let her be a badass poacher bitch. We don't need to have like some have her, you know, her backs running like, oh, she's troubled youth or something yeah, like, like that. Part of the backstory is like she got hooked on drugs and she's a chemist and. If those two don't mix, because I guess she started making her own stuff or whatever, or, or yeah, had, she, access to, had access to it. She went um, all Breaking Bad, I guess, or you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's 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 you know, we're trying to like sympathize. Oh, poor Giselle, you know, she had a bright future, but drugs. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. You don't need it. Just let her be a badass bitch. Like you don't need the, the a sap, sap, sobby backstory, all that shit. So we cut back to the men along the river. Uh, Hawk tells them that they need to cross the river. And again, Katie starts throwing a bitch fit about getting into the water, not knowing what's in there. This leads to him and T-Ron arguing again. At this point, Hawk, shot, Hawk shouts at T-Ron to be very still, to which T-Ron just sighs. And he's like, oh, shit, knowing that something is probably coming up from behind him. And at this point, we see a giant fucking Jennifer Lopez ice cube anaconda Rise up from underneath the water behind T-Ron. It, it, it lashes out at, at, at T-Ron. A hawk hacks into the snake with his like miniature machete right as, right as it's about to strike T-Ron, forcing it to retreat back underneath the water. And the three of them go down the shoreline some more until they find some kayaks. So I'm guessing that anaconda did want some. And we go back to the okay. girls. We go back to the girls. Brooke has a net. It's from somewhere now, but some net and Giselle has her trank gun and they're, they're trying to hunt down Spike the porcupine. After looking around one room, not seeing Spike, they're about to give up on it when an upper cabinet door explodes open and Spike comes shooting out of it like it was shot out of a cannon. 
Wait, first of all, how did they get into a fucking upper cabinet? Again, I, with the door closed. It gets, somehow gets into the cabinet, closes the door behind it, and then has Marshall, a... You got, you've got to stop underestimating these porcupines. I guess, man. I've been proven wrong enough that these, these are superhuman, superpowered porcupines now that get shot out of cabinets like they're in a cannon, but Brooke ducks out of the way, but then Giselle bats the flying porcupine out of midair with her gun like she was Mark McGuire, sending the spike crash, sending spike crashing through a glass window and out of the building, never to be seen again. I did love that. With the test subject gone, they decided that they have to go outside now to find another infected animal. So to anyway, which they said, what if we don't find one? They go, we'll make one. So <laughs> their, their plan is to find an infected animal if they can't find it. So they go out with like two, two separate darts, I guess. One yes. to make an animal infected if they can't find one and one to cure it. Yes. So yeah, that's, that's their plan. That is their plan. Um, so right, we go right back to the man kayaking down a river. T-Ron at this point has a big change of heart. He has his, I've seen the light moment here. That was his revelation. He sees the beauty of this place, of the, of the nature reserve, and he realizes why Hawk fights so hard to defend it. And that he is now a changed man and tells Hawk that, hey, you should hire me to work for you. I could really help you out here against other poachers and, 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 help, these, and help you out. At that moment, Hawk feels something big bump his kayak from underneath the water, but nothing comes up for right now, and they just keep paddling onward. As they paddle away, we see the head of a hippo rise up from the water and then sink back below the surface. Stock footage style. Yes, very stock footage style. Skipping back to the girls wandering around outside, they come across a CGI crocodile. Against Brooke's will, Giselle shoots the croc, infecting it, the gate, uh, Croc's eyes turn white and it starts to go into a frame. Instantly turning into. Yeah, instant. Brooke gives Giselle the antidote. Uh, Giselle loads it into her gun, takes aim, but then seems to forget how to stand up at all and just yeah. falls over as, as she shoots, wasting the train. Um, the gate, the, I keep going, look, the Croc leaps at Brooke, tackling her to the ground because, again, Crocodiles are known for the impressive leaping ability. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tackles Brooke, gets on top of her, um, but have no fear. Turns out Brooke had another dart of antidote with her and manages to stab the croc from underneath it. Um, the, gate, the, the croc is knocked unconscious from the antidote, but quickly wakes up. And when it wakes up, all signs of the infection are gone, and the croc just dies back into the water to go about its normal business. The yeah, so the croc is in a blood frenzy. And then decides, oh, I'm, I'm back to normal. It's still a killing machine. Yes. It's still a, it's still a man eater. It's that has been shot and stabbed now by these people on top of it. <laughs> which, which, which thrives on the primal instinct of just to destroy and feed. Yeah. It goes, nah. Oh, thanks. Thanks there, Big Tits McGee. I'm going to go <laughs> off for a now. So, so the two of them rush back to the lab to make more antidote. They go back to the guys again. Um, at this point, it seems that everyone is starting to get along and become friends now. They're all getting buddy-buddy. Dude, it's like a peaceful kayak through the, through the lake. Yeah, it's so serene. Very scenic. Um, Hawk spots the HQ in the distance, tells the boys to put their backs into it. You can do it, put your back into it. Uh -huh. I can do it, put your ass into it. Uh -huh. 
That's when erupting from up under the water right next to Hawk comes a hippo. And it looks like the hippo tries to bite into Hawk's kayak but misses and then goes back under the water. All goes calm for a bit. Uh, Katie now goes on a rant about how it's not fair that he spent so much time taking care of all these animals for this shit to be happening and for them to be attacking him now. Um, and so, of course, on that cue... That's when the hippo explodes up from underneath Katie's kayak, launching Jeez. Katie and his kayak like 50 feet straight up into the air. It's this above shot where they showed Katie oh my God. up towards the camera. Like, Whoa! This <laughs> is so bonk. And some of you see like a cartoon like when, from a bomb explodes and sends somebody yeah. flying up in the air. It's that type of shot. Um, it, it's fucking insane. It's insane. I, but I, I love it at the same time. Katie starts plummeting back down towards the open maw of the waiting hippo below. The hippo catches Katie out of midair, and we see Katie's legs just sticking out of the hippo's mouth as the hippo gulps <laughs> down the remain like Katie in like one bite, one 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 gulp just eats Katie. Swallows, swallows him whole. Yeah, just swallows him whole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so again, Hawk, but I kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't deny it. I do too. Um, so Hawk and T Ron start frantically paddling away. The hippo starts to charge Hawk, but T Ron, like, like you would leap, like you would leap in front of a bullet or something like that, yeah. paddles in front of Hawk's boat, shoves his paddle down the hippo's mouth. The hippo reels back, splashes back down under the water. The waves capsize the high axe, and Hawk and T-Ron have to are able to swim safely to the shoreline. And yeah, get this seems great because, like you described, it's like someone jumping in front of the boat. Like, no, <laughs> he's yeah. just like, but he's kayaking by. No, which would be so. There's no way you'd be able to kayak and paddle that fast to get in front of a charging hippo. I don't think in the water, but still, it's ridiculous. So again, the one thing I noticed during the scene because you see the hippo so much, it goes back and forth between the hippo. But the hippo's eyes are constantly changing between normal hippo eyes and the white infected eyes. They, they can't. There's like no continuity here at all on that. Um, huh. I didn't. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So once on shore, they sit there. They take a breather. They're like, "Oh, we're safe. We're fine." But up pops the hippo out of the water right in front of them. Lunges at Hawk. Hawk scrambles for his gun. But then the it hippo. Looks gets, like it's for Hawk. Yep. The hippo gets the hippo gets shot in the face with a trank dart. And sinks beneath the water, which looks ridiculous because it's a CGI hippo in CGI water on top of real water. So it looks so odd and weird here. Weird, yeah. Um, Hawk and T-Ron turn around and see Giselle standing there with their, w w with their trank gun. Uh, Brock, Brooke and Hawk run up and hug and kiss each other. So we figure out who the baby daddy is now. Uh, they all have a nice heartfelt moment. Brooke is about to tell Hawk that she's preggers, but some animal pops up from nowhere and they all take off running for HQ. I'm assuming it's the hippo again because Hawk yells, it didn't work, but we never see it. So whatever. Um, back at the HQ, they barricade the doors while Giselle tries to figure out why the antidote didn't work. Giselle lets it slip that Brooke is pregnant 
But before Hawk can fully grasp what he's doing, or fully grasp that he's going to be a daddy, they hear loud rattling coming from the pipes. Hawk traces the sound to the women's restroom where he finds um, just a shit-clogged toilet, uh, which is yeah, disgusting. It's gross. It's, gross. it's like it's just it's disgu- like, yeah. They don't even. They don't. It's it's like they show it, but they don't do it for the gag reaction. He doesn't go, "Oh, crikey!" He just like looks in it, and it's just a shit clogged toilet. I'm like, if you're gonna do it, go for the gag. Yeah. You know. Instead, you're just being gross. Yeah, and it's also weird that that's in the women's room. Normally, that's the type you see you in, in the men's room, not not the women's room. I don't but, know, man. We both I, worked. At Joe's, we both worked at Joe's Crab Shack. We had a yeah <laughs> seafood shit. Yeah. Drop fucking bombs. <laughs> uh, so he, he, he turns around. Like, okay. the like hover. They're like, ew, gross. I don't want to put my butt on this. And they get shit all over the walls. Make it worse. That's right. They do the hover. Uh, so he's like, okay, no, that's whatever. It's just pipes. He turns to leave. And that's, but then the creaking pipes get louder. And he starts hearing the sound of bubbling water. He turns around the face of the toilet as the fucking crocodile comes bursting up through the toilet and the wall like the goddamn Kool-Aid man or something like that. And <laughs> he pops off a few shots that are running out the bathroom door. He grabs Brooke and hides behind a bookcase. Right as the gator comes out of the bathroom, T-Ron grabs Giselle and they hide behind a different uh, behind a file cabinet on the opposite side of the room. So we have another Jurassic Park-esque kind of moment where the yes. croc can't see the people hiding, but he's not really actively looking. He's just kind of chilling. He's just standing there, like, in the room. He's just kinda, yeah, he's not really looking around for him. He's just kind of standing there hissing. Oh. Um, and Hawk, by the way, you would think if you're trying to hide from a man-eating animal, crocodile, that you would maybe want to be a little quieter. They're really not whispering to each other at this point. They're, they're like, like, because Hawks like tells them that um, his bullets bounce right off the gator like tic tac. So they need a tr- like, hey, but we could trap in the giant freezer in the kitchen. And this gun is the dirty, hairy fucking hand. It's can. massive hand can. Yeah, the bullets are bouncing off this. Does it turn the crocodile into a fucking iron croc? You know? <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't get it either. Like it, Colossus crocodile. Colossus. That would yeah. That, oh god, that'd be a scary, scary thing. Um, <laughs> so again, you would think they'd try to keep their voices down to, so the crocodile doesn't hear them and come over because just because he can't see them doesn't mean he can't hear them, guys. He can hear you. And yeah. so at this point, Giselle figures out why the ando didn't work and tries to explain it. But at, when I was watching, I just didn't care. I didn't want to try to explain this myself so i just i I captured the audio from giselle explaining her theory about the antidote so i'm just gonna play this audio clip of giselle explaining it for you so you can listen to it for yourselves and might get better idea than than i can so enjoy the clip you got any more bullets it's useless bounce right off like tic tacs i know why the cure didn't work not now giselle if we can't kill it then we're gonna have to trap it the cure will only work in human blood I thought I could make a synthetic substitute, but it would work outside of our system. Not in a dart, not in a syringe. Quiet. There's a freezer in the kitchen. Maybe we can lure it in there. Give me the cure so I can put it in me. No. Are you crazy? No. no. We are the missing ingredient. Maybe that's why they're attacking us. Not out of violence, but out of the instinctive hope that they can be cured. 
Okay, even if that is true, I don't have another dart. The serum's in the lab. If I put the cure in me, I can save all of us. All right, so there you have it. After that, Giselle makes a mad dash for the lab, but the, the croc must have been a member of the Cobra Kai because it sweeps her legs out from under her. Sweeps away. put her body bag. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love it. And uh, so he, he sweeps her leg with, her, with, with its tail, knocking her to the floor. The great gator, like, spins around, like, in a flash there and, like, instantly has Giselle's ankles in its mouth. It's, like, it's starting to eat her from the ankles up. Yes. Um, which very, honestly, very nightmare three where Freddie's eating uh uh what's your tip? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Um some people remember and call us idiots for not remembering that, I'm sure. Um no, but honestly, it doesn't look bad as I thought it doesn't look as bad oh. as I thought it was going to for this movie. For Zoomies movie, I'd like this is gonna be a terrible effect, but it looks decent. It looks pretty decent. It actually looks pretty good, yeah. It's like, wow, wow, they're doing it. They're doing it. <laughs> this, this was the scene that I really, really got in my head, like, okay, they really upped their, their special effect game on this, on, on this scene particularly, on this shot. Yeah. Um, so T-Ron rushes over to help her. He grabs her from behind, and he's trying to pull her out of the, of the Crocs grasp. Hawk joins in. He grabs a fire extinguisher and starts beating the gator with it. But this time, but, but the, by this time, Giselle is like up to her tits in the croc's mouth. And basically, Giselle and the croc both die at this point. So you're telling me bullets are bouncing off this crocodile, like Tic Tacs. Yes, like, like Tic Tacs. But if you whack it a few times with a fire extinguisher, all's good. All, apparently. Okay. And, and not only okay. that, it gets worse. Because at this point, Brooke comes up. And takes takes gets a blood sample from the gator, so like I said, the dirty hairy bullets bounce off, but she can a little tiny needle can get in there and like, penetrate this thing, so she get enough to get a blood sample from. Like again, the logic is out the window here. I don't get it. Um, so in the lab, Brooke tells Hawk that there's still traces of antidote in the Croc's blood, but oxygen compromised the integrity of the cure. So the virus was able to overpower the cure. But, okay, first of all, what oxygen? How did it ever get exposed to oxygen? It was injected, the, it would have been injected straight into the croc. So, no, it was never exposed to oxygen. That your doesn't blood, make any sense. Your blood cells carry oxygen. Your blood is full of oxygen. Okay, well, well then that kind of plays the kind of, <laughs> But think about the, okay, all right. But think about the ending. The end of what they come up with the end of this. Wouldn't that still be the same case? I don't remember what the ending is. I'm fucking done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. Anyway, she starts rambling on about the cure again. And at this point, I'm just I'm playing another audio clip of Brooks cure, like how she explains it away, so I don't have to try to do this. So it's, here's Brooks' explanation of how the cure is going to work. There's still traces of the antidote in the crocodile system. But oxygen compromised the integrity of the cure and the virus was able to overpower it. Can we make it stronger? The cure is fine. But Giselle was right. The flaws in how it's administered. We can only cure the animals the same way that they were infected. Through a bite. And since the protein in the human blood is the only thing that keeps the antidote stable and pure... They have to buy one of us. We have to inject ourselves with the antidote so they can feed directly off us. 
essentially turning ourselves into living vaccines. You want us to willingly feed ourselves to the animals? It's just a theory, but I think Giselle was right. Yeah, and you saw what happened. Calm down. All right, so after a bit of arguing about becoming animal food, the sounds of choppers are heard in the distance. Uh, they run outside and see an Iroquois helicopter landing, although probably better known to most people as a Huey. Uh, the chopper lands, the, the pilot gets out, waves the three of them over, and this pilot looks so proud of himself. But he <laughs> looks so pumped, like he just fucking hit a grand slam, and he's like, I'm fucking here, bitches, I'm the hero. He just... He looks like David Freeze after game six of the World Series. <laughs> his chest is puffed up. His hands are on his hips. He's got his chin up like, yeah. He's like, yeah it's like a superhero, but he should have a cape billowing in the wind behind him at this point. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, but, oh, no, not so fast, guys. That'd be too easy. Now walks up the infected CGI lioness, which, as even though we just got done praising the, the, the better quality CGI effects with the croc, here it takes a backslide. The lioness looks pretty bad. <laughs> it looks pretty really it bad. It just looks dirty. It looks yeah. like a paper mache, paper bag kind of looking lion. Yeah, I, maybe they're trying to make it look more zombified, but because everything else is like, none of them look zombified at all in this movie. But it it looks, looks it's like gray and brown. Like, gray, like It doesn't look right. Anyway, the lioness pounces on the pilot killing him pretty much instantly with, a, with, you know, biting into his neck. So now the shit really hits the fan for an army of infected animals show up like the orc army about to attack Helm's hold. Uh, it's ridiculous. We get lions, elephants, giraffes, rhinos, meerkats, basically everything. Like, it's just like, thousands of animals at this point. But they're all they're all standing in a row, like they're it's, waiting for fucking William Wallace to yes. come up and give him a god pep talk. Yeah, I, they they should have like blue face paint on. They stand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it's very yeah. That's a great. I like. I love that. Hawk, Brooke, and Toronto run back inside as the animals animal army charges the HQ. Inside, Hawk mentions that he used to fly choppers back in his service days, but they should. Oh, but yeah. instead, but instead. They should just hold up here till reinforcements arrive and tell us Brooke to go secure the lab while he gets on the radio to try to call for help again. But uh-oh, the animals have figured out how to cut the power lines, which makes zero fucking sense because it's a radio. Like, the power doesn't go out. It's just the radio line. But the radio isn't like a phone. It doesn't need a line to work. That's no point behind it. So I don't know what they cut to make the radio stop working all of a sudden. It makes zero sense at all, none. Um, so Brooke comes rushing back in with three syringes full of the antidote, warning them that the animals have breached the building. She gives each one of them a syringe so they can inject themselves with it. So when the animals bite into them, the animals revert back to their natural states. So whoa, 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 whoa. Their, their plan is to inject themselves with the antidote and when it binds with their human blood it should be a true delivery system to cure the animals and the way they're going to distribute this is by getting eaten yes by basically letting the animals feed off of them <laughs> just so genius genius plan 
fucking love this plan. It's so what did this so <laughs> That's such an easy fix. You just write don't write that bullshit. <laughs> it's so dumb. You know what they you know what? You know what they do have? They, they mentioned earlier a giant kitchen with a freezer, which I'm sure has plenty of meat and shit that they feed the animals with. Why not inject that with the <laughs> or you know with your it's got to be human blood, apparently. They could take their blood, draw their blood with the antidote in, and inject it into the, the meat, which the animals would then eat. Anyway. Dude, but that's too my, convoluted, Marshall. Too convoluted. But that, that's my point of what they said. If, how, if you're just saying the point is the blood cells have oxygen in them, how is this any different than earlier? Wouldn't the antidote still not work? Because you're injecting it into the human blood cells, but, but the human blood cells still have oxygen. But it's human blood. I guess that's the, it's the human factor, which they never explain what it is. Yeah, but that, it, was the, that was I, the rationale is that it's human. But it was always human from the get-go. It was the oxygen that messed it up. That's what, that human enzymes was the cure all along. It wasn't the oxygen. I don't know. The whole science is, is fucked up. It makes zero sense. I'm not going to rewatch this movie. To <laughs> oh, a win on this. I'm just going to say <laughs> Sure, science. sure. <laughs> science. I don't know. Uh, so Hawk refuses to let Brooke do this because she because of the baby, but she goes on some righteous empowerment speech about saving not just these animals and this refugee, but all the animals and all the refugees all over the world. Because what? So now are they all like she's just assuming that every other animal on the planet is also infected with this shit? Like, I don't get it. I, I it makes no sense. Um, so while she's talking, T-Ron grabs all the syringes out of her hand and, and says, if I'm going to kill myself, I want to at least look at what I'm going to do it with. I want to get a better look at this. And T-Ron says that he's not going to let them die for the mistake that he made and then just stabs himself with all three syringes, pumping himself full of all the antidote. Whoa. At this point, a meerkat leaps out from behind a corner. It jumps on top of a bookcase, then leaps at Hawk, but T-Rod pushes him out of the way again and lets the meerkat bite into his arm. And pretty much instantly, the meerkat returns to normal and just like, oh, beep, beep, beep. what am I doing here? I'm, I guess yeah. I'm going to go back to whatever I'm doing and just walks off. Seeing that it worked, Brooke asks, how can they keep T-Ron alive long enough while the animals eat him? <laughs> what? <laughs> this took a really dark, demented turn. Like, this is serious, like, horror movie. This is, like, something you see in, like, a Saw movie or... Yeah, or almost like a Mercy Christmas. Mercy Christmas. Thank you. Like... We got to keep you alive long enough for all the animals to eat you, but we can't let you die. Just cut off a leg. What? Cut off, yeah. Like, that's dark. So dark. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyway, so <laughs> T-Ron tells them that, that they can't do it that way, that he's just a distraction so they can escape. And T-Ron's plan is to just run out there hoping the animals will chase after him so they can get, so the others can get away but Hawk wonders, though, is that going to be enough? Is it going to be enough that just T-Ron out there running on his own? Or are they going to need more? Is there enough T-Ron to go around? Yeah, so Brooke then comes up with another idea. She decides to spray T-Ron down with the canisters of animal pheromones that were mentioned way back in the beginning. 
to get them all, you know, get them all sexed up for the animals, then, if you will. Get them all. He's going to get eaten to death. He's probably going to get fucked to death, too. Yeah. <laughs> Make it worse. Not just eat, but fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> and also, what? It's just pheromone. Like, it's not all animals are attracted to the same pheromone. Like, it's not a universal pheromone for animals to attack you with. Like, it doesn't it's just, like pheromone for animal you know it's like axe body spray for animals although in my case it would make the animals run the other way because axe sucks um (laughs) uh, anyway so that's what their plan is um hawk and brooke try one last time to talk tiran out of doing this but he tells them hey i'm already dead my friends are dead giselle is dead and the two of you have something to live for which i'm like dude you're not dead like what is wrong with you like yeah, okay, your your partners in crime are dead, but Jesus, dude, live a little. Like, what the fuck? Doesn't, like, doesn't have a lot going on. I guess not if he's like, yeah, I'm dead. So uh, with that, the front doors burst open, and the three of them run for the garage. In the garage, Ron, T-Ron finds a motorcycle that KD had just recently fixed up. And he tells Brooke to spray him down with the pheromones, which she does. He gets on the bike, starts it up. Before T-Ron drives off, drives off, Hawk gives him back his vaping pen, to, and they share a bro moment. T-Ron, T-Ron looks at Brooke, says to her, that baby you're going to have, don't name it after me. Toronto is a stupid name. Amen. Uh, amen. Yes, it is a stupid name. With, with that, he takes a big old drag puff from his vaping pen. Hawk <laughs> opens the garage doors, and T-Ron races off as Brooke says, he's wrong. It's a brave name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, whoever wrote Brooke's dialogue is terrible, the line she has. So bad. God damn it. So now we cut to T-Ron racing down what should be a road or like a field, but no, now he's on an airport runway somewhere being chased by being chased by the army of CGI animals. (laughs) Come on, get some fast food. Yes, he's taunting the animals. Get this fast food. Dinner served, bitches, and all this shit. Hawk and Brooke make a break for the chopper. Uh, they get into the chopper. Hawk starts it up. It lifts and starts lifting off the ground saying, we're going home to which Brooke replies. This was our home Uh, again. Jesus fucking Christ. As they lift off, we see a group of animals. It's an, it's like a a low shot looking up at the helicopter rise up in the air. And we see these animal heads just rise up into frame kind of blood on their mouth. So we're assuming they're all eat that they just finished eating T-Ron, which we never see that. So mad about that, so disappointed because we had this huge buildup. The whole spray me down with pheromones, taking my vape pen, don't name your kid Toronto, fast food motherfuckers, and then we don't see him get eaten. We don't see him get killed. We don't see what happens. No, we have all this buildup and ugh, nothing. I agree, man. I was pissed too. Like, I, like, leave, maybe to show like a, a a group of animals clustered together, like maybe T-Ron's legs sticking out from underneath or something. Like, they should have shown something or a fucking meerkat come leaping out of nowhere and tackles them off the motorcycle. I don't know. Right. Shut the 
something. Like, but no, we get nothing. T-Rock does not get his moment of glory. No. Um, so anyway, Hawk and Brooke look down and say, the cure works. They're all changing back. Uh, Brooke lets out a sigh of relief. But oh no, it's too soon because she hears growling come from behind the, from the back of the chopper. She slowly turns around and sees an infected meerkat rise up behind her. Brooke punches it, then kicks it out of the chopper and sends it plummeting to its death. And the second meerkat leaps out and bites into Hawk's forearm. He's able to fling it off, but in doing so, he sends it flying into Brooke, which knocks her over as a third meerkat pops up between Hawk's legs right in his front. He's going to have a wiener roast. He's going to eat that dick. I was yes. so excited. I thought so, too. I was like, yes, please tell me he bites in the Hawk's dick. I want to see this. Um, so now both Brooke and Hawk are struggling with meerkats as the chopper sw- swerving and swinging around back and forth in midair. Brooke is scratched across the face. Hawk bashes his meerkat repeatedly against the instrument panel until it's dead. And doing uh. And by the way, when he's struggling with this thing, it looks like it looks like he's just jerking off almost. Like it would've been better if this was a monkey he was struggling with because you know he's choking the monkey. I, uh, or a chicken. Choking the chicken. Yeah, but I mean, Jesus Christ, it looks so ridiculous. And he so he kills the meerkat. Brooke's still struggling with hers, and um, her head's hanging out of the chopper. And Hockey goes back, throw it up into the blades. So that's what she does, and the meerkat explodes into a bloody fucking mess again. There's so many exploding animals and people in this movie. It's insane. Like, I've never <laughs> so many animals explode. Hawk regains control of the chopper. They share another happy moment and fly off into the sunset together. We cut to some time in the future. Brooke's back at the animal refuge. She's in the garage area again. She's talking on the phone and she's thanking some lady for taking that she's talking to for taking the animals in off their hands. And we cut to this bus we see pull up and we see the lady that Brooke's talking to step off the bus. And we see that it's the lady from the first Zombies movie, Ellen Rogers, who says, no problem. We're looking forward to having a bunch of cute new faces at the Eden Zoo, which is the zoo from the first movie. Wait a so, minute. Yeah, wait, something's going on here. But yeah, so Brooke wants Ellen to call her immediately if any of these animals even show any slightest sign of aggressive behavior. Ellen assures Brooke that her medical staff is top notch and that nothing gets by them. Not to worry, these animals are going to love their new home. Ellen goes on to say, she has to go because she has new intern orientation because they're opening in just a few weeks. Wait a minute, huh? She says their goodbye. She hangs up. We see Brooke take a deep breath and sigh of relief and heads back into the garage. We cut back to Ellen, who makes another phone call, and we hear her say, Monty, how far are you away with those monkeys? Blackout, roll credits. So wait, was wait, this what? Yeah! Zombies 2 turns out to be a prequel, not a sequel, to Zombies to Z- Zombies 1. What? Mind blown. Mind blown indeed. I thought the same thing. Mind blown. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So that's it. <laughs> that's it. 
I kind of, that's that's zombies. Uh, let's move on to favorite kills. Don't act like you didn't love it. Favorite kill. All right, Aaron, what do we got this? What, what do you got for favorite kills this week? Uh, first off, I just like to say the 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 kills are pretty good. They weren't bad. They were all CGI fun, and they really went for the gore, whether it be CGI or so impractical at times. They really went for it. But I think the one that kicked it off for me is the rhino kill. The impalement through the spike on the rhino's face, you know, his rhino's horn. You've always wanted to see that. You've always wanted to see that happen anytime a rhino is in a movie. Like, it, 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 it's just fantastic. The mouth blood. They, it's not the best looking, of course, because it's fucking Zombies 2 computer graphics. But right. they upped it enough that it made it entertaining and fun. So that's my favorite kill. Um, my favorite kill, I, I'm, I'm up there with you. Like it, the face, off, face rip off is pretty good. I will yeah. say that. My favorite, I wish it was the kill. But unfortunately, the guy was already dead. But when the meerkat explodes out of the guy's mouth, yes. it's amazing. But the guy's already dead, so I can't say that's the kill. So I think I'm going to go with you. Although, I don't know. Uh, uh, what, the what's the name being trampled by a rhino was pretty good. But I think I'm going to stick with you, though, that that rhino impaling the guy on the horn is pretty good. And it sets the tone. And you're like, oh, Oh, okay. All right. We're just, okay. Fun. This is good. And you're right. It's, it's something you always want to see in these movies. So I, I'm going to agree with you. My favorite kill is, to, is, is the rhino as well. Um, Sweet. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Let's move on to odds and ends. Just when you thought it was over, here comes the odds and ends. All right. Ratings. IMDb gives it a 3.4 out of 10. Ron Tomatoes. There is no official thermometer score but it has a 47% audience score. Pretty good. That's insanely good for this type of, for this movie. That's better than a lot of the movies we've done on this show. Um, and Amazon gives it a 3.6 out of five. <laughs> uh, plot keywords, there's nothing fun worth mentioning for this movie. I was really sad about that. Um, the tagline though for this movie is, they're not just deadly, they're dead. But are they though? Because they're think- never they're never zombies. This is more of like a, uh, what was it, 28, 28 days later type thing? They're more like a rage virus or something. Yeah, it's more virus, and they never die. Even when they're cured, they go back to normal, so they're not dead. They're never zombies. It's, it's so – it's misleading. It's false advertising. They're zoom-fected, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, so that's disappointing. I don't know. It's just a yeah. thing to point out. Um, trivia. I couldn't find anything on this movie that, that anything worth sharing. Um, and same with the budget. I really wanted to know the budget, but I, I couldn't find that either. Um, so that brings us to five star reviews. At the end of this day, one shall stand, one shall fall. versus wrong, light versus dark. In the end, when the dust settles, who will be left standing after Mortal Kombat combat? All right, so there are 69 total reviews uh, on Amazon. 47, 47%, just like audience, are five stars, with 13% being one star. So a big gap in this one compared to the first movie, where it's like the other way around, I think. Right. Um, so first off from native, he writes, 
This was a fun ride with comedy, action, and, well, CGA. And, well, CGI I thought was hilarious in a good way. Tickled all the boxes. Ticked all the boxes for me. Please kick back and have a laugh. Not for your hardcore wannabe movie critics. So sad when a few people have to critique movies like this with a poison pen, lowering the range so others won't take a chance at watching. With a name like Zombies, what are you looking for? Five stars. From Ron the Don. Zombies uh, 2 is, Yeah, Ron the Don. Zombies 2 is a masterpiece of cinematography. The special effects are on par of that of Marvel. At times, I was very distracted because I lusted after the breathtaking Miss Missouri. At one point, I had to pause the video to enjoy the scrumptious side boob action for a whole five minutes. Okay, that's being generous, maybe two. Because of this, I missed out on the complexities of the plot. After rewatching Zombies 2 for the 74th time, I began to notice a teardrop tattoo on the ethnic lady's face. This is a subtle nod to the tears I cried when the movie credits rolled. Five stars. But Melissa, loved this movie. The acting was excellent. The only downside, some of the animals looked a little fake. You yes, don't say. You don't say. A little fake? No shit. From Feisty Ferret. I loved the first. It's fun to see a fresh take on zombie movies. Thrilled they made a prequel, hoping for a more... Hoping for more because seeing a zombie aardvark did open a, guy, open a guy's chest just makes me want to see more zombie animal carnage. Yeah, it's not a thought-provoking movie, but it's highly enjoyable if it's the kind of thing you enjoy. By the way, the people who made the movie, two things. One, ignore the haters reviewing the movie. Two, please make more. I would love to see a swarm of zombie penguins eat someone. Five Amen. Five. All right. Yeah. Preach on, brother. From Amazon Customer. My sister is in this movie, so of course I loved it. Ha, ha, ha. Five stars. Love those. All right. Now, I wrote down four one stars as well, just to get the other side of the coin. From Shannon Schuler. First of all, I kind of enjoyed the original Zoomies. It had charm that this one completely lacks. The characters, especially the villains, are ridiculous. As soon as the outbreak starts, they turn into good guys. CGI is meh at best. Stories lackluster. Just no one star from Amazon customer. Don't waste your time. I like bad movies, but this was just terrible. Bad acting, awful plot, and terrible CGI make up this movie. I spent most of my time face-palmed to some seriously stupid lines, ideas of whoever made this garbage. One star. Alan, wow, painful. This actually hurt to watch. Bad acting, bad actors in the first 10 minutes. Super low budget effects and a storyline that made little to no sense. Do not watch. Great way to waste an hour or so, though. So that contradicts himself because if you're gonna say a great way to waste an hour or so, to me that's at right. least a three-star review. That means yeah. it's at least worth watching. So you're completely contradicting yourself in this review. I don't get it. And lastly, from C. Marino, who goes on a real, real different tangent with this review. This I, this person, Geiger, I don't know, has some issues. I don't know. I don't get. It. This movie holds all the racist views from the hate-filled droogy black female to the loudmouth, scary black male, coupled with the saving grace of the animal lover female. Always it is the great white saviors that try to save the day by protecting the scary loudmouth black guy or hate-filled black female. One star. What? I, I don't get that. I don't get that either at all. 
KD, who I don't even think we mentioned was black. I mean, he's he's yeah, he is black, but yeah, he, he's not like a loud mouth. He's he's kind of like comic relief a little bit. I mean, but he's not like insane over the top Kevin Hart or like you know Chris Chris Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, I would say Kevin Hart, but Chris Tucker, and and he's loud because when he's loud, it's because he's scared. He screamed because yeah. I. I, we're being chased by killer animals. I don't like it. I don't want to be here. I'm upset. He's loud because it's an emotional response, not just his personality trait. He actually does a pretty good job. He actually has some pretty funny parts too. Yeah. But and then, and then on the other side of the coin, I mean, the the angry black woman. I mean, yes, she's black, but she, you know, they they even gave her a little backstory, and it's. I, I think you're you're. Yeah, you're she went to look- Princeton and Yale. You, you know, I mean, come on. I think they're looking for a fault. They're trying to find this is this is one of those social justice warriors who is looking, trying to find something to bitch about, trying to find something to, you know, latch on to, which which is just fuck off. You yeah, know? I agree with you too. But I was like the fact that Simi wrote that, I was like, what the fuck? Um I agree with you hundred percent. it's kind of messed Zoomies up. Too, bitch. Yeah, it's zoomies too. Um all right, with that said, let's go to our final thoughts. And our, our, our Aaron, lead us down that road. What do you got this? So bad, it's good. What? What? I, 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 this, this sequel did everything a sequel is supposed to do. It was better written. It was better acted. It had better CGI on all fronts. It was better than the original. And it was fun. The kills were fun. Uh, you know, I got to see a rhino impale someone. I got to see a meerkat jump out of a dude's mouth. Uh, the <laughs> kill wasn't too bad. Sure, there was a lot of shitty CGI. The meerkats didn't look great. You know, we didn't see any good lion kills. We saw kind of good. I mean, it's like you want to see a lion, you know. You want to see a fucking lion or giraffe or elephant. But still, we you got, got giraffes, a nice... We did get giraffes in the first one. I'll just say that. We, That's true. The giraffes true. ripped a person apart in the first one. It looked it really bad, but they did do it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I mean, but it was just fun, and the actors fucking went for it. They did not phone it in, man. They were acting for like their their careers depended on it, and that made it a little bit more fun because it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so check it out at least once. So bad, it's good. Uh, you know what? Going into this movie, we're soon like, oh god, zombie two, zombies two. I, I kind of had a, a predetermined mindset, like, oh, this is gonna be. But no, man, I'm right there with you as well. So bad's good. Never thought I'd hear myself say that about a Zombies movie. But everything you said, I agree with. It was better. You know, they upped their game. The, the special effects are better. The kills are probably better. The, the Everything's exploding in bloody chunks. That was better. I mean, the acting. Let's talk about the acting. Because in the first one, the acting was so bad. And the acting started off bad in this one. I will say the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long ride with the acting. It got better. Like the longer the movie went on, the acting got better. Like Brooke, uh, Erica, Brooke, for a person who's not an actress, she's just a beauty. She did, I think, a really great job in this movie. Her acting isn't bad at all. Now, some of her lines she says are fucking terrible, but that's not her fault. That's <laughs> that's the writer's fault. But t- Toronto's good acting. Like there's some good moments acting wise, and it is. It's just a fun. Stupid, uh, but fun ride, man. I would, I, I suggest watching it too. I would say watch it, man. It's, it's just I, fun, stupid, stupid fun. I admit, I'm pretty stunned that 
I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So hats off to you, Martin. Thanks for suggesting this. Yeah. I, I, I think he may have thought we were going to go the other way with, with this and so bad scary ripping apart more, but, and don't get me wrong. It is a bad movie compared to like, it is, but you have to take it for what it is and keep in mind. We're also comparing it to the first one too. And which is way, way, way worse than this. Um, all right, with well, that said, so there you have it, guys. We're in a group this week. So bad, it's good. Check it out if you get a chance. Uh, it's free on Amazon Prime Tubi. I mentioned it earlier. All right, so now I want, like I said, we, I had an announcement about our 200th episode at the end of the show, so here it is. Now, normally, norm, like, uh, uh, we, we announce the movies, you know, a few days ahead of time on our Facebook page, what we're going to do. But with this one, it's already been, we've had this in the back pocket. Excuse me, I had a hiccup. I had it in my back pocket for a while. And it's time to get to it. If you're a long-time listener to the show, you have heard me rant about this movie basically since the beginning of the show. Uh, I have had hatred for this movie for probably over 25 years or more now. Um, a lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. It, it is probably the most split-down-the-middle love it or hate it horror movie I can think of in, in terms of the horror world. So... We are finally going to do Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, for the 200th yes. episode. We're going to do it. I got, I'm going to have to relive my, my traumatized childhood of seeing this movie that sucks so, so bad. So, now, to be clear, to be clear, you have not seen this movie since you did 25 years ago when you were expecting to see Michael Myers pop yes. up and... You know, probably more than 25 years ago. I'm sure I'll retell this story next. Yeah, definitely more than 25. I'll retell the story again, but briefly, yes. I was somewhere between the ages of 12 and 14. I'm probably more closer to 12, 13 when I first saw this movie. So that would have been like 92, 93. Uh, and yes, I was a gigantic Michael Myers fan. Uh, I, wanted, I went and sing, I was thinking Michael Myers. And I'm watching this movie, watching this movie, watching this movie. There's no Michael Myers. I kept thinking, where's Michael? Where's Michael? Okay, maybe he's going to come out here. Maybe he's going to come out here. He never came out. What the fuck? I just watched this boring piece of shit. Where's Michael? I, I was so infuriated as a kid. I felt I was lied to and deceived to that this movie just went forever on my shit list. And I hated it ever since. That said, I'm going to do my best to go into this viewing this week for the next episode with an open mind, try to be as unbiased as I can and judge the movie as a movie itself and not based, but I can't promise anything because you know, we are, we are emo humans are emotional beings. Shit happens. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to be as open-minded and non-biased as I can. I can't wait. I can't wait. Cause this is one that you've been bitching about off and on throughout the entire time we've been doing well since i've known you but since the podcast started yeah um you know i i have since seen it a couple times but uh i will also try to go into it with fresh view you know just straight up how how's the movie look right how is it? so uh so this will be a good one it will be a good one and that's it it's 200 episodes gonna be a multi-part episode we'll have the actual episode as one part and then we'll do a second part where like I said, we're going to have all of our guests come back and we'll do a route to spec. So it'll, it'll be broken down into two, maybe even three parts, a big, a big spectacular event. So we're really excited about that. So look for That's going to be coming down real soon. Uh, in the meantime, guys, thank you for listening to us. Watch more horror movies. And remember to always keep it tight. <laughs>